0: Near sideline and it's intercepted intercepted Keely Ringo the 21 15 10 5 touchdown touchdown
1: touchdown Georgia think about Lola trying to make up for it fires to the end zone touchdown Alabama wins
0: Sesmall 10 of 11 on the year from 28 yards away for an eggy upset win 56 yarder, it's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end
1: zone. There goes Davis. Oh my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome to Student Section, a student media poll podcast. Your home for all things SEC football. Hello everybody and welcome back to Student Section. I'm your host Jack Duffy. I'm a student journalist at the University of Georgia. I'm joined alongside as always by my co-host Michael Hull, a student journalist at the University of Florida. Michael, how are we doing today? Doing good. Excited
2: to talk about the Florida Gators. The worst Um,
1: team in the SEC.
2: Some are saying that.
1: If you, I, if you I ask bet. Florida
2: fans, if you ask Florida fans, they would agree with you. So yeah. it'll be, a, it'll be, it'll be a fun, fun, uh, fun topic for sure.
1: I'm, I'm very excited to dive in because I just, I don't see anything promising out of Florida. I'm kidding, only sort of. Uh, hey, but you know who we are joined by today? We're joined by none other than Ryan Haley, making his second appearance on this podcast. From the Alligator, the Independent Florida Alligator, Ryan Haley, student journalist at University of Florida. Ryan, how are we doing today? This
0: is this is misleading. Are we doing a Florida Gators football preview? I thought this was a Minions Rise of Gru preview. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, we we false uh, advertising. We actually assembled that. That's for later. We have to go see the okay. movie. It's it's opening no, day. We no, we <laughs> no, we don't. Preview pod. Do preview review. Preview review. Yeah. Um.
0: But no, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, I know Michael's not excited that I'm here. Um, <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, I, no, Ryan I, and
2: I actually like hate each other. In case the listeners didn't know that, I'm Michael kidding. actually,
0: Michael it's a mo- joke. Michael spent last summer with me at the Alligator and hated it so much he moved to New Orleans for this. That's summer. true. That's so, true.
2: I cannot have another. I could not have done another summer, especially now that Ryan's like big important guy at the uh, alligator. Some are,
0: some are saying, but no, uh, I actually some asked. Are, Mike, I asked Michael in like late March. He's like, "What are you doing this summer?" He goes, "I'm not staying here. <laughs> wherever <it> gets <laughs> yeah, me." I'll exactly. Me I asked what Ryan
2: was doing, and he was like, "Oh, I'm probably gonna like you know work for Alligator." I'm like, "Okay, so I'm leaving the state." Yes. You know, wherever he exactly. is, I am not.
1: As one should honestly. Honestly, honestly. I mean, can't can't go two summers in a row with Ryan that's just way too much
2: yeah. way
0: too much say, i don't want to disrespect two,
1: our uh, two our two guests row. Row. i would say two
0: days in a row is too much <laughs>
1: <laughs> two hours
0: in a row yeah maybe like like two minutes it's just a lot
2: <laughs> yeah this, this podcast is going to be it's, it's going to be hard for me but it's
0: already right. we're going to we're going to cut it short. this is, <laughs> that's it. This is it. the end yeah of it.
1: So, thanks <laughs> for coming on i was going to say
0: yeah no jack i'm really sorry was, uh, i remember last time I was on this podcast. We ended the recording and the first words out of Jack's mouth are, oh my God, that's the longest podcast we've ever done. So <laughs> I probably be the
1: longest one this time. I and am on already track. on track. Yeah. So we're, we're already on track there. We're talking about Florida today, which is why we have two Florida people. Obviously, Michael, our co-host always here to talk about, uh, some Florida, but Ryan here, you know, he, we Back, have some extra, extra Jack's to go
0: to zone defense
1: for the rivalry talk. I, I really do. I do. But I, I, Honestly, it shouldn't be that hard, you know, with the national title whole argument that it's it's fine for me. But yeah, we're talking like about Georgia win the national did title. Uh, did actually, they win? did. They did. Oh, yeah. good. Good yeah. for them. And they they beat Florida in the process of getting there. Fake ring. I don't no, they remember That game. That didn't happen. <laughs> I don't COVID. remember. That.
2: COVID canceled
0: that. Yeah, COVID canceled. <laughs> It's weird so, it's so weird that Florida Georgia didn't happen in 2019 or 2021 but it happened in 2020. It's really that, that is weird. Crazy. The one
1: the one year that you would expect it not to happen it happened totally. But yeah, so we're talking about Florida today. They obviously have new coach Billy Napier. New era in the swamp. Um I want to hear both of your thoughts about what you guys are expecting in year 1 of Billy Napier's tenure at at Florida in Gainesville. Michael, we'll start with you. What are you expecting out of Billy Napier? Um, Year one,
2: not much. Dan Mullen left this program in absolute shambles as far as recruiting goes. And Napier's done the best he can do. I know Florida fans are not super happy with some of the decisions that have been made as far as recruiting goes, but they just have to calm down. Just, just a little bit. Just like, take a step back. Mullen had nothing like for this team going forward. Um, And so it's going to be a rebuilding process. I know Gator fans don't like to hear that. They think that they should be competing for a national title every year. And that's just not realistic. There are ebbs and flows with anything. And it's just, it's going to take some time. I do think they have the right guy for the job. We talked about it when the hire happened. Ryan and I were at his intro press conference back in December or whenever it was, and we both looked at each other and were like, we feel very, very good about this guy. Um, it's just it's going to take time. I don't think this year – honestly, I think this year, if they get to eight wins, an okay bowl, and win the bowl game, I think that's a very successful season.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll dive in a little bit into the schedule in a little bit. And I think eight wins is probably the ceiling in the regular season. Uh, like, like you said, it's going to take time. Ryan, I'm I'm interested to hear what you think about Billy Napier and what he's bringing to the table.
0: No, Michael took the words out of my mouth. I don't, I wouldn't say eight wins is the ceiling. Cause I think it kind of depends on what some other SEC East teams do, like what Kentucky and Tennessee really look like. Um, they could, they could be teams that very easily limit Florida to a ceiling of eight wins, or they could offer them some easy wins if they don't develop the way we expect them to. But I think anything eight wins or more is more success. Like, I just scrolled through the schedules now. I know you said we'll get into it in a second. Um, but eight wins or beyond means that Florida exceeded expectations this year. This is going to be from every – like, obviously, we haven't seen the way he has coached at Florida yet but from everything I understand, both with the talent that Billy Napier has on this team and the way he coached at Louisiana, this is going to be a bit of an old school sec kind of a three yards and a cloud of dust team, at least in the first year, it's going to rely on Anthony Richardson to try and be explosive a little bit beyond that. But this team's bread and butter is going to be the offensive line in the running game, at least for year one, because that's just where their strengths lie and where Napier's strengths lie as a coach.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. And and they kind of, I mean, they lost their their two best running backs this past season, Michael. I, I know they lost Damian Pierce, who I was actually really high on, one of the Falcons to take him in the draft, Malik Davis. Um, and, I mean, Ryan mentions that Billy Napier is running a, a probably old-fashioned college football offense, running running the ball heavily. Uh, where do you see, like, the development of, of the new running backs coming in and, and the offensive line that you all have built for 2022 what, what do you see out of that
2: yeah so um Louisiana Lafayette last year ran the ball in about 60% of their plays um, under Napier like winning losing whatever their ground they were a ground and pound offense I don't expect that to change and you could tell with the way Napier recruited with like the recruitment that he did it was really focused in the trenches offensive line he got a few guys from Louisiana, just kind of picking his guys from there. Got Montrell Johnson, also from Louisiana, down at tailback. I think that will be a huge addition. I saw Ryan perk up a little bit with that. Um, They recruited Trevor Etienne, um, obviously brother of future NFL MVP, Travis Etienne. Um, And they still have Naquan Wright, who is a big play waiting to happen. And we didn't see really any of Lorenzo Lingard last season. And I'm eager to see what he can do as well. Uh, The offensive line will be interesting, I think, once they get their feet under them. Like, second half of the season, it'll be an upper-tier group in the SEC. It won't be touching, like, the Bamas of the world, but it'll be in the upper half for sure. Um, And like Ryan said, it'll come down to Anthony Richardson making plays not only with his arm but with his legs. And if he can be smarter with the football, I think sometimes last year you kind of saw him – play backyard football a little bit and just kind of go like against the play and just try to make something happen, which you can't really do in the sec unless you are Johnny Menzel or Cam Newton. Um, And Hey, maybe Anthony Richardson is the second coming of Cam and he can just do that all year, but that's not sustainable. Um, So no, it's going to be like Ryan said, ground and pound three yards in a cloud of dust, bit of big 10 coming to the sec. Um, from Florida.
1: Yeah, it sounds like he instills a, a very physical brand of football. Obviously, he's offensive-minded. Um, but Ryan, I want to hear from you. What the the defense under Dan Mullen was average at best uh, on a on a good day. Uh, what what do you think Billy Napier brings to the program in terms of, of defense, and, and how do you think? Uh, the Florida defense will look this year? So this
0: upcoming year is probably going to depend a lot upon the development of a few guys. I think in the future, it's going to look really strong. A lot of Billy Napier's initial recruits, that is like one of his two two strengths on the recruiting line have been defensive line and offensive line. Um, So I do think in two or three years, Florida's defense could look pretty formidable. Uh, But right now a lot of it's going to come down to, um, does Brenton Cox kind of finally become the player that I think Michael and I have both been predicting he'll become each of the last two off seasons? Um, Gervon Dexter really flashed. Um, I know Florida fans tried to make some off-season arguments comparing his stats to Jordan Davis. I think that was a bit egregious. It's, it also, was wrong. It, it's wrong. Yeah, it was. It was a bit a bit fraudy to only look <laughs> at the stat sheet. Um. But Gervon Dexter is really, really good at football. Not being Jordan Davis is not an insult to it's a It's
1: not. True. It's not. Nobody really is Jordan Davis. No.
0: To, to a true sophomore, it's not an insult. Um. So Gervon Dexter could be really good. Um, I think it kind of depends. I think Michael and I have both said the last two years watching Florida football that it really felt like that front seven. I know they've. Uh, I know they lost Zach Carter, who was really their most athletic piece. Um. But that front seven between Dexter and Brenton Cox and Ventrell Miller, who they're getting back at middle linebacker, who was their leading tackler. Um, He was lost to an injury early on in the season. Um, But, like, if that front seven always felt like it was underachieving a little bit, and I'm very curious to see how much of that is Todd Grantham being gone, who, like, I know it wasn't an overwhelming improvement with Christian Robinson calling plays instead. Um, but Christian Robinson had never called plays before, um, who was the interim defensive coordinator. Um, and Todd Grantham's been disappointing and underwhelming for the better part of his career.
1: His entire um, career. Yeah. His entire <laughs> yeah. career. You yeah. can say entire career. Okay. I saying, to, listen, he, he, he was DC nice. at Georgia too. I, I, I understand the pain. I understand that. Let's be what nice. He, what is he Let's
2: doing see. now? Where's Todd Grantham at? He's probably better better
1: off than Dan Mullen coaching, uh, being an offensive analyst for a high school team. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Todd Grantham's a defensive analyst at Alabama right
1: now. Uh, Saban's Uh, rehab program for bad coaches.
0: I'm most concerned about the secondary, I guess, to tie into that. Uh, Jason Marshall was a five-star recruit in 2021 and had a pretty, like, inconsistent but impressive true freshman campaign last year. Uh, But without Kyrie Elam, he's going to be asked to kind of get thrown into that top corner role, I would imagine. Um, And that secondary was really underwhelming outside of Kyrie Elam last year. Uh, And now now Florida has Corey Raymond, who is, for my money, the best defensive backs coach in the country. But how much can he really revolutionize? I think Corey Raymond is more of a bet on the future and of, like, can we get talent into the program rather than a gamble of, like, can we take that secondary that was underperforming last year and reinvent them in one offseason?
1: Yeah. And I think – I mean, I agree. Corey Raymond's a really great defensive back coach. I mean, you brought in also uh, Jalen Kimber from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's certainly a good get. Um, I I think this Florida defense, like you said, and this is just who Billy Napier is. It's I guess it's just his identity. Like, the the one thing Florida can gain from him – being the head coach is that they're going to be more physical on the offensive and defensive line um, which if you've watched florida at all in the past i don't know five years whether it was under dan mullen or or before that it, they just weren't ever really a physical team they they always got like i don't want to say bowled over but it was just like underwhelming at the line of scrimmage, where's which is where games are won, especially at an elite level. So, Michael, I'm curious to hear what you think of the Florida defense and, and what its identity is going to look like uh, this upcoming year.
2: No, I agree with Ryan. I think it comes down to that, to the play of the front seven, because without a pass rush, um, your your corners are going to suffer, whether you have talent back there or not, which I think Florida does, like Ryan said, Jason – jason marshall impressed last year obviously inconsistent but he was pretty impressive in my opinion um i am worried about that secondary so i think that front seven really needs to step up they have veterans in the linebacking unit obviously ryan mentioned ventral miller um amari bernie's back there as well it'll be interesting to see if dewan black plays even at all i don't know really what's happening with him he's kind of a folk legend among Florida fans at this point. Um, So we'll see what happens with that, but they have talent, especially at that edge rushing group with Brenton Cox, who last year at this time I said would be, was my bold prediction for SEC defensive player of the year. Um, I was obviously wrong in that take, Um, but I think this is the year that he breaks out because hope springs eternal
0: um (laughs) somewhere somewhere in the world charlie brown tried to kick a football again
2: (laughs) (laughs) i will keep getting fooled by lucy pulling the football away with Bretton cox obviously five star former georgia bulldog you know all about him jack um because he showed promise i think he finished last year with seven or eight sacks he came on towards the end of the season um i think you know another year under his belt I do think this Florida defense, kind of like the offensive line, what I said, I think towards the back half of the year, they will be really starting to find their footing, um, which isn't great because we'll talk about Florida schedule in a bit, but they have a rough start. Um, three of their first four games are against pretty tough opponents. So it's going to be a little dicey in the early going for the defense, but I think second half of the year, they'll be able to figure things out.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't, I'm not sure about the whole Brenton Cox defensive player of the year. I, I tried to get on board with you last year. I, I really did because he was a former Georgia guy and I, I get the, the potential there, but, but we'll, we'll see if, if he can deliver this year. I, I am curious though. We you talked. we've been talking about the schedule dancing around it a little bit. Um, just, the start that Florida has to their season and their schedule is really tough. Their, their first, like, I mean, the first half of their season that you, you could realistically see like three Florida wins uh, and three toss-ups. I think I, I, um, I look at, I mean, you've got South Florida, which is a win. Eastern Washington is a win. Missouri is most likely a win because I don't think Missouri is going to be that good.
0: After last season, I have stopped getting la- dramatic victories.
1: True, true. But you open the season, three of your first four games are Utah, who is a really good Pac-12 program. Like Top 10 to team B- in the country. Yeah. Went to the Rose Bowl last year, is returning a lot of production, will be really good. I think they're in, in the hunt for a playoff.
0: They didn't go to they didn't go to the Rose Bowl. They nearly won the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, who, for my money, might be the number one team in the country going into this year.
1: And, and it was off of a insane game from Jackson Smith and Jigba, who just yeah. absolutely de- demolished that defense. But I, Utah's a really, really good team. That's something. It's at it's at in the swamp, but I think it's a game that needs um, it's due notice because. I think Utah is probably going to win that game. Um, And then you have Kentucky and Tennessee who are competing for like at this point, obviously, it's Georgia seems to be at the top of the pack of the SEC East. But Kentucky and Tennessee are on the upswing to where you think they're they're competing for second and trying to dethrone Georgia first. So, Ryan, we're going to start with you. What do you think of this Florida schedule? Where do you see them slipping up? Obviously, we said eight wins or more is in, in the success zone. But uh, could you see potentially more losses, like five or even six losses? Um, easily. Yeah. Very easily. Um,
0: so in that 12-game regular season, um, there are looking through – I think Georgia and Texas A&M are in the category I would, I would clarify as prayers <laughs> as of right now. Uh, I think those are two games that you're going to have to get lucky and somehow, especially both of them being away from the swamp, Georgia in a neutral site, like it is every year and um, Texas A&M uh, in Texas A&M, which is re- so bizarre. They're in college station twice in three years. Um mm-hmm. But those are, those are back-to-back in the last week of October and the first week of November, which is, I think, the worst part of that schedule. Um, and they play – only they only have one home game after October 15th. Wow. Which might be underratedly difficult. So I'm looking more at the back half of that schedule. Um, they close with South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Florida State, which won't be three straight easy wins. Oh, it won't be all three easy wins, but I imagine they'd be favored in all of them. Uh, I don't really want to talk about South Carolina after last year. I'll give I'll, – I'll, again, that's why I'm like, yeah, Vandy and Florida State, I'm not really worried about. South Carolina, uh, Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer has damn number. Shut up, Michael. Van, Michael's on the Vandy three-win Four-win.
2: Four-win. Excuse wins. you. Four-win. Four Four win. How, How many of them are be Florida?
0: How many of them are going to be Um At uh,
2: least one.
0: Okay. Maybe two. Maybe, maybe two. maybe two. Um Who knows? Uh wasn't gonna say, but yeah, that early part of the schedule, a lot of that comes down to what Kentucky and Tennessee look like. I feel like Kentucky and Tennessee are both they both showed a lot of promise last year. Tennessee, especially with the momentum they had to close the season. Um they both feel like they're kind of sexy picks to be George's big challenger now that Florida seems to be a little bit of a sleeping giant. Um, I think I'm you could sell me on both Tennessee and Kentucky being like eight or nine win teams. I don't know if you could sell me on either of them being like 10 or 11 win teams right now. Yeah. Uh, It wouldn't shock me if Tennessee was, but I wouldn't, I'm not buying either of their stock that much. Um, So I think their season really comes down to, in terms of defining it as a win or a loss um, or as a successful season or not successful season, it comes down to Kentucky, Tennessee, and Missouri. Their first three SEC East games, if they can win two of those three, I think it sets the tone for a really successful tenure. Um, but if Kentucky and Tennessee develop the way that a lot of people are expecting them to develop, Florida loses both those games, and then they drop Missouri October 8th and start 0-3 in the SEC, the season can get away from them really fast.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And and I think for Billy Napier to be successful, obviously he's not going to be anywhere near the hot seat, but, like, if he's going to be successful – Uh, long-term at Florida I think he also needs to potentially pull one of these uh I'll call them big three games LSU Georgia Texas A&M he needs to compete in all of them but also needs I would say LSU is the one but I think I was gonna say I don't think beating LSU is out of the question uh, but I think if they do that's like a signature win that he can hang his hat on in his first year that be like oh we beat a rival um even if your season isn't exactly uh how you want to see it like you you That's may be like good. 7 and 5 uh, but you have a win over like LSU or and and Florida State teams like those it, it sets the tone that he wants to be successful and he's able to compete in those games uh, Michael I'm curious to hear where you think uh Florida's wins and losses are this season just
2: yeah, no, I um, looking at the schedule a little more. Obviously, I talked about the tough start. You go Utah, who we talked about as a top 10 team. Kentucky at home, I think if they're going to split Kentucky and Tennessee, which they need to win both. But if we're saying they're going to split those two, I think Kentucky is the one they win because it's in Gainesville. Um, and then you go USF should be a win. Tennessee in Knoxville. I don't know if you guys know this. Hendon Hooker threw thirty-one touchdowns and three interceptions last year. Like he was very, very good, and he has another year knowing he is the guy in that Tennessee offense. Tennessee will surprise some people. Probably finish second in the SECs. Um, so if we're going, obviously, if you're a Florida fan, you want them to beat both Kentucky and Tennessee. I don't think they will. I think they'll split, and I think they'll lose to Tennessee in Knoxville, um, and then Eastern Washington, Missouri, and then you get into that meat of the schedule, which Ryan said going back-to-back, Georgia and A&M, but you have LSU right before bye week, right before Georgia. Like we were saying, that needs to be a win, Um, which Brian Kelly down there now, who knows? Uh, We thought Florida could beat LSU last year, and then Ty Davis-Price turned into the second coming of of Emmett Smith. So... um, who knows? And then, yeah, Georgia or bye week, then Georgia at AM. And then I think South Carolina is a much tougher game than Ryan does. Um, you know, that Shane Beamer train, rolling Spencer Rattler. Ryan, Spencer Rattler's oh, your guy.
0: Right. And you just forget okay. him. Okay. About him. That's an egregious. Agreed- he was your
2: pick for Heisman last year.
0: Yeah. Pre-season. That's an egregious twisting of words. He was no, my pick. No.
2: He was your preseason Heisman pick. So he is he was your the favorite. favorite, favorite. It was a no, dominant no, pick. No. No, no, no. He was the big Spencer favorite. Rattler. And you just forget about him. You just toss him aside. No. Because now point. Kentucky has the first overall pick, Will Levis, according to CBS Sports draft, that's I got that point. in again. I'm gonna get it in every, every single podcast. I said it last time.
0: Yeah. Um, that's a good point, Michael. I shouldn't I shouldn't have dismissed South Carolina. I forgot how well they pulled off in the transfer portal this this year.
2: Yeah. So that is a brutal stretch of games that they need to go at least two and two. And if they can come out of that three and one, that's incredible. And this season is a, is a success. As, if, like even if they have only five wins and they come out three and one in that stretch, there's hope there.
0: I would say to add on, I know Michael and I both mentioned the eight win threshold earlier for Florida to win eight games, assuming they lose to both Georgia and AM, they would need to be, Two of Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, and South Carolina. And I think if you beat two of those four teams, it's a good year.
1: Yeah, I agree. Assuming you I totally agree. No, those those don't are
0: drop a dumb one. If you if you beat two of those teams, you get eight wins. That that's a good year.
1: Like, like I said, I think that's those are like the signature wins you're looking out for to like hang your hat on in year one. Obviously, like you want you want to upset Georgia, you want to upset Texas AM, but realistically, that's not gonna happen. Uh, you you're looking for like uh signs that you're you're competing in your your division and you're on your way up um and and beating Kentucky beating Tennessee um LSU and South Carolina you easily could um call that season a, a success like it's it's very simple you you could um I'm sorry I'm laughing I'm looking at the schedule right now and I
0: I keep, every time I look at the schedule I forget that Eastern Washington on October 1st it's a noon game it's ar- it's already been designated for Eastern <laughs> plus it's like already been decided that it is just not going to get streamed anyway no, no, oh. it's it's Well, um, listen.
1: The last time you were on on SEC uh Network Plus wasn't it like the Sanford game or something and, game. and Yes, it was. It was the Wait, was I don't know first... what,
2: I don't know what happened in that game. I don't Oh, the Sanford
1: the Sanford Bulldogs put up 50 points on the Florida Gators. That, that was, game was so <laughs>
2: funny. That was yes. so funny. Ryan and I were in the press box together for that. We were just laughing the whole time. That was <laughs> I would so be...
0: great. Jack, you know what I did at halftime of that Sanford game? What would you do? I pre-wrote Dan Mullen fired as a brief. <laughs> I, I, I pre-wrote <laughs> like, yeah, okay. I just want to have this so I have it.
1: It's it's happening at some point. I don't know if it's it's tomorrow or I don't know if it's tomorrow.
0: Day. I don't know if it's at one point, but I'm I might need this. Just to um, have it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I did, I did need it. Um oh. but the I, I will say they're not respecting Cooper Cup's alma mater. Uh-
1: yeah, it's true. You gotta gotta respect those Eastern Washington Eagles. I, I think they're the Eagles. They are okay. That, that, that would imply the Eagle logo, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I figured. I was looking at the schedule. I'm like, let me see if this is an eagle or some other type of bird. But um, yeah. So I mean, we, we've gone through the schedule. I the one last thing I want to ask you guys about Florida is what are some keys like it this season to establishing a successful winning culture at Florida because obviously the last few seasons under Dan Mullen have been not what you want to be they've been sort of undisciplined obviously you're you get a shoe throwing away from a college football playoff appearance basically that that's just like the undisciplined nature of Dan Mullen's entire tenure at Florida what's Michael, we'll start with you. What's the key to building a winning culture for Billy Napier? I
2: think just doing what he did at Yale Lafayette. You know, they were a very disciplined team. He has a way of connecting with the kids on his team that I don't think a lot of coaches have. Um, He is football 24-7. He is the definition of a 3Fs, faith, family, and football. Like, that's Billy Napier. That is who he is. Um, So I don't think it'll be hard for him to establish a winning culture, especially at a place like Florida that has a history of that winning culture. Um, I think it's just finding it again. I said rebuild earlier. I think a renovation is more appropriate than a full-on rebuild. I don't think this year will, like we were saying, eight wins, you have to be thrilled with that. Um, As far as this season goes, it, it comes down to the arm and the legs of Anthony Richardson. Um, that we talked about a little bit, but not a ton. I want to hear Ryan's thoughts on him as well. But um, we saw flashes of greatness from him last year, and flashes of not so greatness. Um, to put it to put it nicely, he is at, at the at this point he is an inconsistent quarterback with really high highs and really low lows. Um, if Napier can coach that out of him a little bit and get him more even keel, I would even take or Florida fans should take even if the highs are a little less high than 70-yard bombs, but if the lows come up to, hey, maybe he's only turning the ball over once every couple of games and he's not making idiotic decisions like he did last year, um, then I think you can convince yourself, like, okay, this is going to be all right. Because despite what some mock drafts say, I think AR will be in Gainesville in 2023. Um I mean, despite maybe some projections that he could win the Heisman and go first overall um, to the Atlanta Falcons, like maybe those will come true. I don't think that would happen. I hope not. I think if you're a Florida fan, you're looking to see, okay, is the offensive line holding up against SEC play? Are the younger guys that Napier has brought in so far, are they contributing? is Anthony Richardson showing that he can lead you places in 2023? Are you disciplined? Are you not making stupid penalties, throwing shoes, bad turnovers, things of that nature? Um, things that you can look at physically and be like, yes, they are building something. That's what this season's going to be in Gainesville. Um, Florida fans may not want to accept that, but that's just the reality of the situation.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, Every new coach, it's gonna come with growing pains and, and a learning curve. I mean, you look at Kirby Smart just six years ago; he went seven and five in his first regular season, won a bowl game. Um, But like, if you look oh, at that, Kirby <laughs> Smart, me, these oh. guys are are, are oh. hounding me. But I'm making a good point. I'm making a I good know. point. Hear me out. I know. Um, are you? Are you? If, if Billy Napier goes eight and five with a bowl win in 2022, you guys are gonna go crazy for him. You, you like he's. That, I think he would be – that would be a very successful season for mm-hmm. Florida. Um, and, like, I think what a, it's just a new coach. It comes with growing pains. It comes with having to build a new culture. Uh, and that takes time. It's not something that it gets built overnight, especially when you're trying to chip away at a terrible culture previously. Because um, yeah. Yeah, like, Dan but- Mullen did not do you guys any favors. Ryan, I want to hear what your keys are for, for Billy Napier building a su- successful program. And also I know Michael said he wanted to hear your thoughts on Anthony Richardson and what he can do this season.
0: Sorry, I'm trying to, trying to take the reins of your podcast. That's really rude. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do want to jump into more on AR do I want to have that separate discussion last. Um, I'm glad Michael brought that up, but to me, I, a echo everything Michael said about discipline, um. Don't make stupid penalties. Don't repeat stupid penalties. Don't make stupid mistakes in November and December. Uh, those are all really, really simple things that you see a lot of really good programs do. Guys learn. Guys are, guys have patience and discipline. They don't get frustrated. They don't let their emotions hurt their teammates. That's all stuff that even if it doesn't start that way in September, even like we've been like talking about like South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, those teams, like, they don't always start super disciplined, but by November they have their, they have their stuff together. Um, but to me, I, one of the bigger things I want to see, I want to see a Florida team look prepared against teams that aren't just Georgia and Alabama. I want to see a Florida team that, okay, like live with me in the hypothetical that Florida shows up to its game against Missouri, say, and Florida – Beat Utah, beat Kentucky, lost to Tennessee. They're four and one. And say they're four and one, and Missouri's two and four or something. And they show up to that game against Missouri. I want to see Florida not do the Dan Mullen thing and be like leading seven to three halfway into the second quarter. Show up, have a game plan, have a game plan that you execute and stick to, and don't look like you're sleepwalking through the first half before you figure out what you're trying to do. Look like you are taking every game as seriously as you need to take it. Look like you know the team that you were playing against and have an idea of how to attack them, and you're going at them from the opening kick, not like warming up into the game or like looking a little lost or a little like you're still trying to like test what you're trying to do. Florida just looks so unprepared for every opponent that wasn't a top 10 team in the Dan Mullen era. And I wrote about that last year when they – part of why I think they started losing is that – those sluggish first quarters just took away their margin for error. And so all those games like LSU in 2020 with the thrown shoe or Kentucky with the extra point that got the field goal attempt that got run back for a touchdown, that stuff, like it, it sucks when it loses you a game, but when you're Florida and the program that Dan Mullen was trying to say that he was, it shouldn't lose you games because it should be so inconsequential like that seven point swing shouldn't be the difference between winner or loss. You should be winning by 15. If you're trying to be like what Dan Mullen was saying he was, and I want Florida to look like they're trying to do more than just win, like win by any winning margin. i want them to look like they have a game plan. They're showing up and they're trying to execute as well as possible from the opening bell.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And that is, I would say the biggest, uh, I I mean, I would echo that 100%. That was the, biggest missing piece in Dan Mullen's um, tenure. It's just impossible to say Florida was really prepared for any games beyond Georgia, Alabama, because like you said, that that those Florida teams showed up for those games. I mean, they had the talent um, Dan Mullen coached pretty decently in those big time games. Um, it's just the games where it, may not be a big primetime matchup. it's a noon kick against South Carolina and South Carolina or whatever at those games where you don't show up that's that's where Florida's got to improve. Um, and Ryan, I, I want to get your thoughts also on Anthony Richardson here because uh, I know there might be, a little bit of a, a quarterback. I after the, the spring game, isn't there a total quarterback debate here? Jack Miller and Anthony uh,
0: Anthony? Yeah, So we're trying to see if Jack Miller's still gonna be the backup quarterback by a week three, <laughs> or if uh like someone's already gonna have taken over. No, dude, Jack Miller was bad. Um bad. no, this team is Anthony Richardson or bust. I fully think let me triple check that he's the right year. I think he is. Yeah, no, I am fully of the opinion that Max Brown are like Florida's freshman quarterback coming in from 2022 i'm fully of the opinion that max brown is going to play more snaps than jack miller this year wow i i I, out out on jack miller um i hope he proves me wrong you hear me jack prove me wrong i Um, will
1: prove you wrong ryan (laughs) yeah i'm sure i'm
0: sure he's got like a recording of this that plays on a loop while he sleeps um
1: (laughs) prove me wrong
0: um yeah, like, the, his, my voice, like, distorts like a movie nightmare. Um, but, uh, no, I I think Anthony Richardson, the weird part about me for Anthony Richardson is I, I agree with everything Michael said, but I really almost feel like this is, a, like, this feels like a red sh- Like, last year kind of felt like a redshirt year for Anthony a little bit of, like, he played really well while he was healthy against bad teams. The only game he was healthy for against a good team That he played a like like notable number of snaps was Georgia. Yeah, and he played bad because that was the best defense that I've ever seen at a collegiate level. And he was it was his first real start against an SEC team, which was an egregious misstep by Dan Mullen. And I know that we've talked. I'm sure that Michael's talked about this in the past. I've talked about it with Michael. The fact that Dan Mullen refused to start him against weaker SEC teams and then started him against Georgia was stupid. but yeah, 100%. We like, we,
2: were, we were in that press box together in Jacksonville and it was, we both looked at each other when AR was like officially announced as the starter because it was kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. And we were like, this isn't going to go well. Like no. if you're going to start the, your freshman QB against the best defense of the last 15 years in a big rivalry game, it was it was more of a knock on Mullen than a knock on Ar.
0: Yeah, no, that was it. That was a really mishandling. If the thought enters your mind that Anthony Richardson could start that Georgia game, he should be starting the other SEC games before it, especially with how good Georgia was that season. But on top of that, so Georgia, he looked bad. Then he got hurt against Georgia, and he played a couple more times, but he was like it was hard to tell if he was ever healthy. Um, it was a lot of small sample sizes. He made a lot of dumb decisions. Um, and I don't really know if that's because he, so I, this is a long diatribe. I promise. I promise there's a point to this. Um, Dan Mullen seems to, when a quarterback gets kind of profiled as a running quarterback, Dan Mullen seems to like coach them. Like he's trying to make them prove people wrong rather than trying to make them the best they could be. So like Emory Jones was kind of profiled as a running quarterback. And Dan Mullen talked extensively in spring 21 practices of like, yeah, I'm I'm like, I'll have series and drives where I refuse to let Emery leave the pocket. And in 2021, I know it's hard to put all of that on Dan Mullen, but it looked like there were times where Emery was just like scared to leave the pocket and would like force a pass instead of just taking off. Um, And AR had that look a little bit towards the end of the year um, where like, it looked like early on in the season, he would like just run if, something didn't look the way it was supposed to look, which isn't like a sustainable model when you're trying to play like a Georgia or an Alabama, but when you're playing like South Florida, sure. Um, But it looked a little bit like he was trying to be a little bit more of a passer, but man, that LSU game, dude, the LSU game alone is enough to make you like all the other stuff doesn't matter a little bit for a guy whose sample size was that small when he was healthy. It's Georgia and it's LSU. And Georgia was bad because first, like first real start um, against a defense like that. But the the set like the third quarter of the LSU game um, is like I, I I kind of I'm surprised I kind of blanked on that when I said Georgia was the only healthy game because LSU was like the other one. And LSU well, didn't start. He didn't start. Thinking, That's fair. Yeah. Um, LSU's defense was bad. But Anthony Richardson was the only thing Michael and I talked about on the on like the 10-hour drive to Gainesville that we did on Saturday night from Baton Rouge. Um, that was a
2: drive. That was it a was. Drive. I think we
0: played Colin Baton Rouge, like, 15 times. <laughs> I think um, the
2: total tally was 11. Like, like uh, on the drive there and back.
0: I'll look through Zach's Twitter thread. Um, <laughs> but, um, like, th- there was one throw he made specifically that sticks out. This is the last thing I want to mention. Um He made one throw, uh, Jacob Copeland, who is now at Maryland, um, was running towards the back of the end zone on like, a. I think it was like a look a bit like a wheel route a little bit. He started like kind of closer to the slot and kind of slid out to the edge and then ran up towards the back of the end zone. And Richardson threw it when Copeland was like 15 yards short of a safety because he saw that the safety was like flat footed and Copeland was just sprinting behind him. And he drops it in like a two-yard bucket in like the back of the end zone where Copeland could like toe tap it just outside of the safety's reach. And I like I, – I had to like take a deep breath in the press box, like watching that pass live. So like that pass alone, like the tools are all there. And so you just kind of have to depend on how much of it was coaching, how much of it was not being healthy by the end of the year. Um, but it's totally easy to talk yourself into this guy as being one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the in NCAA next year. Like, I see it. I don't know if I'd pick him to be one of the top five quarterbacks, but I totally see it. And I think by tw- I agree with Michael. He'll still be in the swamp by 2024. I think 2024 is when we'll see the version of Anthony Richardson that like his biggest supporters are expecting to see this year. But I think you can expect big things.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to be a top-five quarterback when, when Georgia's going to have four of them in the top five. You know, Stetson Bennett's going to lead the charge, obviously. But, but you know, a- Anthony you Richardson have, can't do much here. If you have four quarterbacks, do you really have one, Jack? <laughs> that is a good question. That is a good question. I mean, we're really running a frat house in, in the quarterback room, as we discussed last week. We're, we're really just running a frat house there. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Anthony Richardson develops because – like you said, the tools are G- there. Gamma Sigma Alpha. Huh? Sigma Sigma S- 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 from- Alpha. <laughs> it, it's um Theta Theta kai something like that. I don't
0: know. Well, oh, I, I did gamma S- sigma alpha would be G e- A. Oh yeah, okay. There you go. Um,
1: good job, Ryan. <laughs> <No, right. Thank, laughs> great letters. For the, thanks for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I think Anthony Richardson has the tools to be a good quarterback. Obviously, you you want
0: are- a hard hitting <laughs> analysis you're here for. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's right. You know, I'm a Georgia guy. I'm not, I'm not going to like hype him up too much, but
0: <laughs> I want to point out, okay, I, I want to yeah. point out to the audience at home. Jack was like singing the praises of Carson Beck before we started recording who has thrown like five collegiate passes. And one of them was a pick six. To so... be
1: fair, he was lighting up the spring game. <laughs> I believe you said
2: you might've said last week, I don't know if it was on the podcast or off it that Carson Beck might be the best quarterback in that Georgia room. Um, I listen.
0: AR one a- AR one Florida Spring Game 34-0 for the record, <laughs> just to establish.
1: Georgia, he was Georgia's he was going up so against Jack that it came to, down to a game-winning field goal. So I I mean listen, either either Florida's
0: offense is generational or its defense is the worst, <laughs> the, worst the SEC has ever seen. And you I know, it might, would, it
1: might be both. I, I would think. lean towards the latter with, with it Florida might be defense. both. <laughs> yeah. Um I I mean, he was
0: responsible for all four touchdowns. There
1: you go. He's got, he's got something to to tote into the ball. You know, I've never seen someone care so much about one spring game and then be so dismissively like, (laughs) it's
0: like Carson Beck lit it up, man. It's like, yeah. Anthony Rich like, put that on his mantle,
1: I guess. You know, he's like, listen, listen, listen.
0: (laughs) no one, no
2: one is, (laughs) no one is saying that Jack is a unbiased reporter. This is
1: I, never, I never I never said
2: I was I can see I can see I can see
1: Kirby. Let's I can see a Brock Lest Bowers and a
0: I can see a Brock Bowers and a Stetson Bennett flag behind him.
1: Yeah, so if this was a video podcast you'd be able to see that I have a you got rocked by Brock flag in my living room and a Stetson flag that has a photoshopped hand of a it's not a football, it's a package saying Georgia win on it and he's delivering the mail. So you know, that's that's where I'm at. I want to point uh, out in,
0: in the Florida Georgia game this past <laughs> year, every touchdown that Stetson Bennett scored, I sent the SpongeBob special delivery gift to Jack.
1: <laughs> it's listen, he's he he only delivers. He delivered a national title. So he whatever. can't play in the NFL. There's no post on Sundays. Well, no, no, it's it's he close. can be
2: exclusively a Thursday night and Monday night quarterback,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what? He He'd will be, be the, Jaguars. the new quarterback. I, I will be great. Take than that back
2: right now, Jack.
1: I will never take it back,
2: Jack. That wouldn't work because the Jaguars never play on Monday nights. He would play one game a year, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. He
0: played Tennessee every, every like the third <laughs> Thursday of October every year,
1: yep. yeah, yeah, every year. And, and moves, well, you know. Way. He's actually not going to play for the Jags because he's probably going to get selected number one overall by the Falcons. So true. Yeah. Jack, Jack, I
0: want you to commit to me right now on this podcast that you want the Falcons to draft Stetson Bennett. I want you to commit to me right now. If the okay, if the Falcons no, don't, don't, me.
1: Me. don't no, if me, if no, no. If the Falcons are on the clock first in the twenty twenty three NFL draft, I want them to take Stetson Bennett. Noted, Michael. Write that down
2: written down already
1: no it's not you don't have paper we love having fun here between you know our florida and georgia our georgia peeps because you know we we actually meet each other
0: that's my last prediction uh florida wins in jacksonville 31 12
1: what in like like 20 years no (laughs) no no like the
0: score this year is 31 12
1: Uh, oh (laughs) so you're just delusional you get four field goals goals. i
2: talked about this idea with Jack. Live podcast from Florida, Georgia, in Jacksonville. The, who the night no. before.
1: Yeah. Who yeah, says said, no?
2: Who says no? Who says I no? don't say
1: no? I don't say no. It
2: would be electric.
1: It would be electric. We're go- we're gonna figure out how to do it. We're gonna figure it out. If you don't have, if you're still listening to this, hi mom. Um, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, while, while we're at it, why don't you just tell the people where they can find you on social media, what you're up to these days? (laughs) Yeah. Um,
0: so if you, for some ungodly reason, want more of my thoughts, uh, which I would heavily judge you for, but I would appreciate all the same. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore D Haley. Uh, that's pretty much my stream of consciousness. Um, that, and most of my social tags, um, are along those same lines uh the, the d might be before or after or the period might be before or after the d in some other forms but the Twitter d stands for in, dog but, by the way uh, no it is not uh,
2: <laughs> wait ronnie you no said you don't have that dog in you
0: you don't have the. oh my god dude Michael, when have i ever implied that i have that dog in me i am a weak i'm a weak <laughs> baby i hit i hit a slice today on the go- i had a slice day on the golf course and just cried um <laughs> no um no but my again twitter underscore ryan d haley and while i'm here i'm always going to plug uh, the independent florida alligator michael and i's home student journalism publication at the university of florida Uh, you can find us on twitter at the alligator and you can find our sports section at alligator sports on all social media handles um that's where you if you want to go back and look and see how poorly michael and i can write uh you can go back through those archives um but every journalism and every journalist in that newsroom, I'm really proud of this summer. And there, there are a lot of people that deserve your attention, especially in the Gainesville area.
1: Yeah. And obviously the alligator bringing Bad us in the red and black. Well, no, no, because we no, each we, we be in that that rivalry donation week thing, I, I think. If I'm not mistaken, I've I heard. don't, I don't pay attention to that. No, we, well, we have a truce with the red and black. if Florida and Georgia are bitter
0: rivals, the alligator and the red and black are best friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we love our student journalist friends down Gainesville. I mean, we, we support all student journalism. It, it's really important. So I, I would definitely give that a follow. Obviously some really great, great stuff, really great content coming out of there. Um, I know y'all cover every single Florida sport there is. And the same thing at the red and black here in Athens. So a lot of them. Uh, there are a lot of them, so it, it's really good stuff. Make sure you support student journalism, Michael. Tell the people where they can find you.
2: Yeah, um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Michael underscore thirty three Jaguars content, mostly sad magic content, sometimes happy. Question?
1: <laughs> no, <right>? still well, <laughs> it's still sad.
2: <laughs> it it's it's delusional happiness.
1: And it's me convincing that's ironic myself.
2: Happiness. It's ironic happiness and me convincing myself that Paulo Benchera will be a better version of Jason
0: Tatum. That's uh, not even the like right player I, comp. That's not even the right player comp. Let me have this. They both went to do no, okay? he's not even the right body type. He doesn't play that way. Let me
2: have this. No, I'm, I'm
0: okay with you. I'm okay with you thinking he's good, but better
1: Jason Tatum makes no sense. They don't play the same.
2: Actually, in one interview in the pre-draft. Paulo said that he models his game after Jason Tatum. So suck it. Who, Ryan. Knows, who knows Paulo better? Paulo Benchero or Me. Ryan Haley, the I the managing editor of The Alligator.
1: No, who Paolo knows Paulo better. the best is I, Michael Hall. Exactly. Am, I am Paolo
0: Benchero.
2: It's fine. Whoa. I didn't want Jabari Smith anyway. Anyway, um
0: so. <laughs> I have so many texts. <laughs> <laughs> Docs.
2: Um, like Ryan said, follow the Alligator. Follow Alligator Sports. They're doing great work over there. Obviously, I'm in New Orleans working with the Saints communication staff cool. this summer, so I'm not with yeah, the Alligator.
1: Yeah. Um, Jack, can you but plug? need socials, please. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> not.
2: Follow, follow the Saints on Twitter. Uh, Stop actually. it! Stop this man. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but seriously, the Alligator. Read it. Support read student it. journalism. They're doing an awesome it. work. Especially, read read it in the fall when Ryan is editor-in-chief of The Alligator. Um, I'm going to break that that. news right now. now. What?
1: No. Congrats! I'm I'm learning about this for the first time, so this is crazy. It's because it's it's
2: it's, not true, and I'm just trying to pressure him to do it.
1: Oh, well then you should do it, Ryan. I think you'd be great at it. (laughs) I'm going to start pressuring you now, too. So.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No.
1: Yes. I don't want this. But yeah, you you follow, follow Michael and Ryan, both on Twitter. They're really great follows, obviously um, putting out some great content, um, whether it be for the independent Florida alligator or regrettably the saints. Um, You know, it's, it's. If if you
0: follow me on Twitter because of this show and I never tweet again after today, it's because I watched stranger things tonight and something happened to Steve Harrington.
1: (laughs) I never tweet again. That's what happened. That's, that's, Ryan might go off the grid after tonight. So it's uh, a
0: non-zero chance,
1: <laughs> but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Duffy. Uh, I tweet all about Atlanta and Georgia sports currently on, on my Hawks uh, basketball swing, because obviously we traded for DeJounte Murray. Uh, I think we're going to trade for DeAndre Ayton and Ben Simmons. Might as well trade for KD while we're at it. Um, what about Freddie Freeman? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> i'm still not happy with freddie freeman right now it was very sad to watch him cry for like an entire weekend <laughs> um but yeah so follow me for all that kind of content Follow at red black sports putting out really great um, pieces and um uh, stories every single day in the middle of summer content so a little bit slower now but come fall covering the national champions defending national champions um it'll be really good stuff. So, uh, give them a follow and follow at student media, 25, uh, student media poll, putting out some really great content. Uh, we're going to be back in the fall for, for football polls and yeah, we're going to have a podcast network up as well. So many things to keep track of. Uh, and you can follow this podcast at stud SEC SMP, uh, for all of your student section needs yeah i know i'm like i literally go through a laundry list of them but uh yeah really great follows on twitter uh we will try to find a way to um, cut that short list and be more concise next time but we'll, we'll figure it out um yeah so thanks for listening come back next week and we will talk to you guys
2: later